<laughs> Maybe if I get tired, I can sit down a while and then restart. Good to have my eldest son leading singing. I've got some other members of my family here, and it's glad they could be here too. Glad to see every one of you. I am very happy to be back with you again. It's been a while. Sorry about your preacher having to leave and his family. Good folks. We'll miss them very much. And then we got to start with the agony of looking for a new preacher. I tell you, that's when the elders earned their big pay. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was an elder in De Quincey for about 39 years, and one of the hardest things that we had to get into was trying to find a good man, the right man, and his family for the situation where we were at. And it's hard. Very, very hard. It's, uh, you have a little short time to try to get to know someone, see if they'll fit in, all this good stuff. Anyway, we wish them well. Let's everybody remember the elders in our prayers. I'm uh, kind of missing my cheering section sitting over there. Doc and all the two or three of those elderly ladies, they always kind of cheered me on over there, made me feel good. See, I can look over there, somebody about my age. The rest of you all look young to me here today. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's good to be here. Doc, for some reason or other, is just bound and determined to outlive me. And I'm feeling a little more like she may make it. This week I went to see my heart doctor over in Sulphur. He's from Lake Charles, but he has an office over there. But anyway, he was, uh, he had one of these uh, trainees, I don't know, I guess, whatever, a young lady following him around that day. And so he was telling her, this guy, he's talking about me, he says he's got a little heart murmur that we've been watching. In fact, he said, I want you to listen to it. And so she put on her little stethoscopes and listened to my heart. And he said, you hear it? It sounds like it's playing a little tune. That's what he told her. I said, Doc, what tune is it playing? He said, well, I don't know. He said, what do you want it to play? I said, I'd like for it to play when the saints go marching in. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, the little lady said she could hear it. I never could hear nothing. But anyway, he said I might make it a few more days. So I'm happy to be here one of these last few days, whatever it is. God bless you and enjoy coming down here as i've said to you many times my root with this my roots with this congregation go deep 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 and long 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 but here lately i've been feeling like the ancient egyptians during the days of moses totally beset by plagues we've had this infernal covid virus nagging at us for it seems like forever and now we've had several hurricanes come along the last one of which just tore us up named it Laura 
after one of my daughters-in-law. Go, boy, have I razzed her about that. And then to top it all off, we've had three or four or five or six weeks of these infertile black double bugs. I hate them things. I don't see how they get in. I've stopped up all my cracks, but they come in. I go, I, I walk around with one of these little old uh, automatic vacuum cleaners. You know what I'm talking about about that long? Picking them things up everywhere I go. Hate them, hate them, hate them. I'll be glad when we get through this series of plagues. I am sick of hearing about, talking about, speculating about all of these things that's happened to you. This sermon today will not be about viruses, hurricanes, or black bugs. So I guess I'm just going to get back to the basics, which is my first and favorite sermon anyway. And that's about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The Apostle Paul said, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wrote to the Corinthians and said, I knew nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And when the things get tough, and when we're in doubt, and when everything's else, get back to the cross. There's the anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast. Throw my little stuff up here on the board. Now, I know that's kind of a lot on the board, and it's a little hard to see, but squint your eyes as we go down it. We're going to be talking today about the longest day. Now, I'm pretty sure I know about what about half of you are thinking. You're looking up there and says, he should call it the longest sermon with all of that stuff. <laughs> no, it's the longest day. Now, and the, the other half of you are thinking, if you'd go ahead and start, maybe we'd get this thing over with. But anyway, the longest day. Now, I have done a little plagiarizing with that title. You didn't know I knew that word, did you, plagiarizing? See, I fooled you. But anyway, that means I copied that, and I did, because there is a book by that name and a movie by that name, and both of them are about the Allied invasion of France in World War II. You remember when they, all the ships came over from England and landed on the Normandy shores, and it was a bloody, long, dreary day. Thousands and thousands of men and women on both sides were killed. Turned out to be the turning point in the Battle of Europe. 
and subsequently thereafter they were able to go ashore and finally conquer Germany and the Fascist forces. That was a long day. But we're going to be talking about, <clears throat> you know, when we're talking about long days and short days, technically all the days are the same length. All of them have 24 hours, so many minutes, so many seconds in them. They're all the same. And, uh, but that uh, depends upon some other things. A lot of times, whether or not we are working or playing, whether we're happy or sad. I remember just as well the longest day in my life. I'll never forget it. It was in Electro's Memorial Hospital. My wife had gone in for a comparatively routine heart procedure. And I was sitting out with some of the family, waiting. We were fine, no big serious problem. But directly, one of the nurses came out and says, Must Hyde, we're having a little problem. We think we'll be able to handle it fine. Oop, time started slowing down. Ten minutes later, they said, uh, it's going to be okay. Fifteen minutes later, somebody said, well, we've had a little flurry, but, but don't worry, everybody's in there taking care of it. You have no idea how time come to a virtual standstill. And after about 45 minutes, they said, Mr. Hyde, we've got serious problems, but we're working on it hard. And after about a long, long hour from when they first came in, they came in and told me your wife had died. You see, that was a long hour, a long day. And yet it was no longer than any other day, but the circumstances is what made it long. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the longest day in the life of Jesus Christ. It wasn't really longer in hours and minutes and seconds. But it was a long, long day. I got this idea up when this cockeyed virus started. You know, we got kind of homebound, couldn't get out, do little things like that. So I had a lot more time to study the Bible. And I'd been wanting to study this idea for a long time. The actual sequence of Jesus' day he was crucified. It's Related in all four of the Gospels, and if you read them, some of them tell you about this, and some of them a little more detail about that. But it's very interesting because they all tell the same thing, and there's a lot he had to get in that last day. It was a very, very busy day. And the timeline of the last days... Some of them are exact. The Bible tells us exactly about certain hours that happened at such and such. Others 
we have to guesstimate, estimate, interpolate. But all of these things happen on that day and we've got to work it in there. And how it goes about doing that is what we're going to look at briefly this morning and see if we can get it all together. Friday begins about 6 p.m. Whoop, 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 that's backwards from us. But all four of the Gospels were relating the story in Jewish time. Most of the people that day lived under what they call Roman time. We do today. We live under when this day starts at 6 o'clock in the morning, Sunday, and then 6 o'clock till 6 o'clock the next morning, Sunday night, day, night. But the Jewish kept it night, day. Their day started at 6 p.m. in the afternoon. So their day began, that longest day, Friday. That's the traditional day on which Christ was crucified. Friday at 6 p.m. Now already they had been meeting in an upper room. He had told his apostles, he said, look, you go such and such in place, and they'll help you prepare for the Passover meal. I want to eat the Passover meal with you. We'll meet in an upper room. And they went and found an upper room. We don't know exactly whose it was. Uh, some people seem to think it was Mark's mother's residence, but we don't know that for sure. But they met early that day on Thursday afternoon, about 12, 1, 2, we don't know what time. We don't even know exactly what time they ate. We do think it was a supper meal that they had together because he's talked about the Lord's Supper. That's when he endorsed the communion that we have. But they were meeting that afternoon. They had eaten together. All 12 of the apostles were there. In fact, one time while in this discussion with him, he said, one of you shall betray me. Amen. And all the apostles began to say, Lord, is it I? Of course, one was sitting there who knew it was. That was the traitor Judas. And then later, he told Judas what you're going to do. Go ahead and do it. Jesus told him. And Judas left. Now we don't, the, it doesn't seem like the apostles knew where Judas was going. He was the one that carried the bag, the treasure, the money for the group. And they maybe thought Jesus told him to go out and do something or buy something or whatever. But Judas left. And anyway, long about late that evening, and incidentally, while Judas was there, Jesus washed all of their feet. Taught them many lessons. John relates a number of the deep lessons that Christ taught there at that last supper with them. That's late Thursday evening. And then uh, along about 6 o'clock, it began to be uh, late in the afternoon there. And so uh, uh, they began to decide that we'd better decide what we're going to do. And Jesus said, I tell you what I want to do. I want to go to Gethsemane and pray a while. Now, this would not have surprised the apostles. 
because Christ was a man of prayer, often he prayed, prayed lengthy, and he said, I'd like to go. Of course, they were not aware totally by any means of the pressure that Jesus began to be under at this point. Now, he's been up since probably about 6 o'clock this morning, Thursday morning already, and now about 6 o'clock that afternoon, he tells them, I think I need to go to Gethsemane. So they, along about 7 o'clock, the best we can tell, they left where they had the Last Supper, started to Gethsemane, about three quarters of a mile down the wall away. They were just outside of the old southern wall of the city where they were eating. Gethsemane was just outside of the southern wall of Jerusalem in a little garden, old and been there many, many years. In fact, they had gone there a number of occasions before this, and they knew where he was talking about. So they all left and started on their way down there. Now John says, as they were going, they crossed the brook Cedron. Now Cedron was a small stream generated by some springs to the west of the city, flowed down along the lower south wall of Jerusalem, across the brook, across, and there was a little bridge across it by the south wall that they had to cross, and then it flowed on down into the Kedron Valley and dispersed. Now, just on the other side of the wall from the brook and the path lay the great temple of Jerusalem. Now, this was the Passover feast. This was thousands of pilgrims come from all over the world to there to worship. And they had been killing and offering sacrifices, thousands and ten thousands of animals, all these several days, weeks, weeks of the Passover. And when they offered these sacrifices, all the blood and guts and things and all and everything, they had to wash and it was clean every day because they'd start the next day with the killing tables fresh and all. And they washed them all off and they flowed in big cisterns under the ground and run off in here into the Valley Kedron. And during the days of feast, the waters of Kidron flowed red, blood red. Now, when they was leaving to go to Gethsemane, John says they passed over the brook Cedron. Now that's uh, all he said. We don't know what happened. But... There was some poet looked and at that verse and put this little poem together. Listen. Dusty evening comes down in quiet repose. 
Old olive trees hang low and still. The brook Kedron moves slowly over small stones, flowing quietly from yon dim hill. The cool dark water is now red with blood. Ten thousand lambs, their destiny filled. From nearby temple, their life quietly flows. For mortal men's sins, they were vainly killed. But night has quieted the noise and the dust. Teacher and disciples cross to a quiet place. But one stops and looks down at the blood. And just for a moment, heaven hid her face. Now we don't know that that happened. But that man, of course, took poetic. And anyway, so after that, they went on and they arrived at the Garden of Gethsemane about 8.30. And he uh, leaves uh, several, about eight of the, uh, there was 11 of them left, 11 of the apostles. So he left eight here and he took three with him, Peter, James, and John. They went a little bit further. Now he said, you sit here and wait and watch with me. I'm going to go and pray. And he went and prayed about an hour, came back. They were dozing. He said, wait a minute, couldn't y'all wait with me? So he went, woke him up again, went back, prayed again about an hour, come back, same thing, went back, prayed again about an hour and come back. Just about three hours. Jesus was the man of prayer. How's your prayer life? Now, if you're like me, my prayers are generally Five minutes or less, I confess. You ever prayed an hour in your life? If the Son of God felt the need to pray three straight one-hour prayers, boom, boom, boom. Oh, we need to be praying people. Sometimes I think that's why we're weak, because we neglect our praying life. Jesus didn't, and he was the Son of God. But anyway, Jesus knew the time was up. And you remember when he was praying? He wasn't praying no kind of casual prayers. Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He wasn't praying frivolous prayers. That was from the bottom of his heart. He knew what he was looking at. He had been looking at it for thousands of years. But all of a sudden, it's pow. The next day, blood like sweat, like drops of blood. But finally, he said, Thy will be done. Because he could hear the mob coming out of Jerusalem. These Jews, remember, the traitor had left and went back and told them. 
I know where he's going and I can point him out to you. So they got a mob and here they come and Jesus could hear them coming. He said, let's go. And they went out there and here comes the mob. Here's Judas, the traitor, ahead of them. He runs and kisses Jesus. That's the way he said, whoever I kiss, that's him. And he runs and kisses him. And of course, Peter, all of a sudden, in a, a moment of bravado, he pulled out his sword and cut off the ear of the high priest, a servant of the high priest's ear. But Jesus said, put your sword up. And he healed the ear. And then all of the disciples fled and left him, Jesus alone. And the mob took him. And they took him back to Jerusalem. Along about 1215, he was betrayed by a kiss. And they took him back to Jerusalem and got back. That is, they bent back down the path over the wall into Jerusalem to the priest house of the high priest. The first one they took to him wasn't really the high priest. It was Annas, the old former high priest. Kind of out of courtesy to the old fellow. And they, they began to mock him. And they just did everything bad that you could think of to him because they hated this man with a purple passion. They wanted him dead. They wanted him graveyard dead. And then they, they spit upon him. They mocked him. They just, every way in the world you can think of, they mistreated him. Tried to humiliate him in every way in the world they could. And then after that, they took him over to Caiaphas, who was the true high priest. And then after that, they took him before the, the Jewish court, which was the Sanhedrin. They didn't have very much authority. What little authority they had was given to them by the Roman governors. And of course, Pilate was the governor of Jerusalem at that time. He let them get away with a few things, but they couldn't crucify anybody. That's why they wanted to finally take him to Pilate. And they really just shuffled him around there uh, from about one to two and two to four. And uh, because they was just waiting towards daylight when they felt comfortable waking Pilate up. That's who they wanted to get him to, see. Long day. Now he'd been up you understand? Long time already. Last meal he had was Thursday evening. So along about 4.30 they got brave. and said, let's go wake Pilate up. I don't imagine Pilate liked to be woke up at that time of the morning. But he tried to placate the Jews. He didn't want no big ruckus down here that would reflect on him in Rome. So, okay, I'll see him. So along about somewhere around 4.30. Now, the Bible doesn't specify what time. The Bible, here's what the Bible says. Very early in the morning. 
But if you look and figure, I've done a lot of figuring on this while I was sitting there. Couldn't go nowhere during that infernal virus. It had to be around 4.30. They got him over there to Pilate, and Pilate said, okay, I'll see him, and here he's talking to him. He don't want nothing to do with Jesus. His wife's done told him and had bad dreams about him and all sorts of things, and he's kind of apprehensive about fooling with this man. Now, he doesn't really much care too much one way or the other. He just don't want no political ruckus. And he certainly don't care anything about these crazy Jews. He thinks all of them are a bunch of idiots. But he has to kind of listen to him so he won't have a big row going on in his city. And they said, we want to crucify Jesus. Well, he hadn't done anything wrong. And besides, my wife's had bad dreams about him and she's been warning me not to fool with him. And so they wallow around there with him and he tries to make all kinds of ways. How about me turning loose? Uh, you know, this time of the year, sometimes I turn a man loose at this big, big feast day. How about me turning loose uh, uh, Jesus or Barabbas? Barabbas, he thought they'd choose. He's such a wicked old criminal. But oh no, they said, we want Jesus crucified. Turn Barabbas loose. We don't care. Choosing Jesus over Barabbas. He tried to placate them in every way. He washed his hands of it. He told them about his wife's uh, dreams and all of these various things without any fail. And then he had an idea. Whoa. My good friend, who's also a kind of a ruler, <laughs> is visiting in town. Herod over there. I'll send Jesus to him. Bloop, send him over to Herod. Herod, you deal with it. See what you think. Let me know. See if you think he needs to be crucified. Huh. Herod didn't get off anybody's cotton wagon yesterday. <laughs> he wasn't about to get wrapped up in that mess. He says, whoop, turn him right around, send him right back before you say scat. Back to Pilate, about seven. The Bible doesn't say exactly what time it sent him back. But you can interpolate, we got to get all this in this one day. This is a long day. Jesus is being shuffled around. Even while Pilate had him, he tortured him. You can't believe. They put a purple robe on him and hailed and acted like they were bowing before him. He tried to do that to placate the Jews. He had him scourged. You know what Roman scourging was? It wasn't like the Jewish whipping. They whipped him 40 stripes, saved one. 39 times is all they could whip him. And they used a pliable whip. When Romans scourged you, they scourged you with rods. No limit. Generally, a scourging ended up in death. They fortunately stopped just prior to Jesus' time. He was nearly beaten to death by the Romans. Mocked, 
spit upon, crown of thorns. Hail Jesus, King of the Jews. Well, finally, Pilate saw that it was no placating the Jews. He said, all right. You can crucify him. And he said, we got two other thieves that we were going to crucify, so we'll just send them to be crucified at the same time. Take him and crucify him. And he assigned the centurion and some additional soldiers to take the three out. About eight o'clock. to be crucified. It was about a mile to a mile and a quarter from Pilate's palace to Calvary. It was on the north side of Jerusalem through the city. And of course they were required people are going to be crucified to carry their crosses from the place of their conviction to the place of their death. So they started out, Jesus and the two thieves carrying their crosses. Crosses big, heavy, wooden. Bigger than that. And they started out but it wasn't long till Jesus broke down. You can understand why. And I remember he had been beaten by the, not only the Jews, but the Romans, by the rods. He was nearly dead. And so they got somebody to help him carry his cross the rest of the way. Along the way, there was, uh, even at that time of morning, now see, we were looking at here something about... Uh, this was happening between 8 and 9 o'clock in the morning. Even at that time of morning, there was a lot of people out, and it says there was lots of women lined up on each side of the uh, route, weeping. This was the same bunch of people, a lot of them, just a few days before had Hail he that cometh in the name of the Lord as Jesus rode triumphantly in Jerusalem. Same bunch of people, a lot of them. And he said to those women, women don't weep for me, but weep for yourself because if they do this in the green tree, what do you think they'll do in the dry tree? I remember... Back up here, you know, when these Jews were just giving them a hard time before Pilate. And Pilate says, I hate to do this. Jew says, put it on us. Let his blood be on us and on our children. Oh, they would rue that day. They said, we'll take the blame. And they did. Them and their children. And from that day forward, Jewish people... Over all the world, generally, 
have paid the price. And these women were crying for him, but he said, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves. And then they got out to Golgotha or Calvary at just a few minutes before nine. Laid the crosses down on the ground. Stripped Jesus and the two thieves naked. Laid them down on the cross. Nailed their hands and their feet. Now you understand, most people believe it was, they had different kind of crosses, different methods, and so on and so forth. But basically, most of them had a little stand at the bottom of the feet where the feet are that you stood on. And the feet were nailed to that stand so you couldn't raise them. And your hands were nailed up here. And then bound with cord, too, because that would tear out otherwise. And then you're standing, okay, upright. And then you're raised up on the cross. Now, the thing that kills you, now, a lot of times people live two, three, four days on the cross. Sometimes they died quicker. What brought death on the cross was, of course, you're standing there and your weight sags and you to where you, you can't breathe, see? But you, as long as you're able to push yourself up with your feet, you get a breath. And then after a few minutes, you sag. And eventually, you suffocate. It's long. Like I say, some people live two, three, four days. I'm not going to go into it. I've got to get through it. And I'm not going to go into much detail here on Calvary. He said seven things while he was hanging on the cross. That was, a, that was six hours on the cross from nine o'clock in the morning. That's a, that's a red line. Bible tells us that exactly. Raised up at nine o'clock. He was there till three o'clock in the evening. They said at 12 o'clock, there was an earthquake and darkness over all the land until three o'clock in the evening. All kind of strange things happen. You know, I don't have time to talk about it, but just imagine the Son of God. People walking by and jeering and laughing at him and scorning him and hundreds of people and very few were on his side there. This was the Son of God. Why was he there? For you. For me. There is no way in the world that we can even vaguely comprehend 
the agony of the cross. It was infinitely multiplied because he was the innocent son of God. If I would have been there, I would have at least partly deserved it one way or another. Or you. But not Jesus. Slow. Agony. Darkness over the land from 12 to 3 o'clock. You know, the people after a while, oh, they laughed and jeered and hooped and hollered and uh, went by. And, uh, but eventually, along about, things get kind of bad, dark, and the th- crowd begins to thin out. Finally, there's not many left, just Mary and a few women and a few men. John was there. And then so along about three o'clock, the soldiers said, hmm. At first, these soldiers razzed him too. But when they saw the earthquakes and things begin to happen, finally that centurion said, you know, I believe this truly was the Son of God. But finally they all began to clean out. And the soldiers said, hey, we got to hurry them on. Now normally they wouldn't have cared. Any other day they'd have just left them hanging on there. That day, that night, the next day if need be, let them die if it takes them three or four days. But not today. Why? Because the next day is the Sabbath day. Got to placate the Jews. We got them getting down off the cross before 6 o'clock. Sabbath day starts at 6. We better hurry them along. Let's go see how they're doing. They went over there. The two thieves, they weren't dead. Huh. How are we going to kill them? Simple. Break their legs. Whoop. Can't breathe no more. See? Hanging down now, they're going to suffocate quick. And they did. Came to Jesus. Well, I'll be. He's dead. They wasn't even close to breaking his legs. (laughs) Little did they know. A thousand years before, a prophet had said, not a bone in his body shall be broken. They wasn't close to breaking his legs. He was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. Stuck a spear to the side, out came blood and water. Okay. He died at three. The Bible tells us that specifically. Well, a couple of these good friends of his, Joseph Arimathea, they said, we've got to do something quick. Now bear in mind, They've got to get it done before 6 o'clock because at 6 o'clock, everybody shuts down. You don't do nothing on the Sabbath day. 
So they said, let's hurry back and ask Pilate if we can have the body. Whoop, all the way back, three quarters of a mile, in there to Pilate's hall. Pilate, can we have the body? Yep, back out here. Take the body down. Wrap him in a white cloth. Don't have time for their normal Hebrew ritual of burying anybody. They just got to do it quick. Wrap him in a white cloth. Where are we going to bury him? Well, I tell you, ain't no by time to hunt and find a tombstone, I mean a, a, a graveyard. But I just got through building me a fine tomb, hewing it out of rock. We will put him in mind, Joseph of Arimaeus has said, my tomb. So they wrapped him in a white cloth, hurried him over there. They had to get it done by 6 o'clock. And Pilate said, okay with me. Back out there, wrap him up, haul him over there to this tomb, lay him in there on a slab in the tomb, and roll a stone. It's seen a lot of pictures about all these different kinds of stones, this, that, and the other. It's interesting the way they did that. Roll big heavy stone. Roll a stone in the front. Plum. Six o'clock. Day in. Jesus is laying dead in the darkness. The Son of God that has lived throughout eternity. Never a single thing wrong in his life. Lays dead in a cave in the ground, all alone, by himself, dead. And the longest day came to an end. Now, see, he had been up 24 hours and 12 hours, that's 36 hours straight. Hadn't had a meal in 24, 25, 26 hours. Had very little to drink under the most horrible agony, everything, the worst of everything, mental, physical, spiritual, you name it. I don't think I really need to say much else. One of these days, we're going to stand before God, all of us. And I can just see him now. He's going to say, Ray Hyde, what have you got to say? I tell you what I'm going to say to God. I don't know how I'm going to address him, but I'll figure that out. But I'm going to say, the only thing I got to say is, Jesus died for me. 
And he's going to say, well, I know he did. What did you do for him? Did you believe him? Did you obey him? Did you live for him? Folks, I know that most of you are Christians here today, and God bless you for it. <clears throat> Make sure you stay true to the one who bought and paid for your salvation pretty costly. But some of you may not be. You better think seriously about this. You will look at God one day and Jesus too. Let's make sure we give them the right answer. Believe in obeying. If you need to turn away from your sins and repent and confess your faith in Him and be baptized, we'll help you do that. Let Christ know that you love Him by following Him and doing what He tells you to do. If you need prayers, we'll help you do that if you're a Christian. Help yourself get straightened out again. Sometimes we get kind of messed up in this world. It's all right. God said, I'll help you. Start over again. If you have any kind of needs, we'll do it. We'll help you. Won't you come? All together we're standing while we sing. Have fine on